guys ready. It's time. It's showtime, brains. That's right. It's Matrix time. And it's go time. We're in the Matrix. We're in the Matrix. We're in the everybody let's go we're gonna talk about ufology conspiracy controversy and anything and everything that we can get into tonight that's right Let's go. Mr. Andy Cassie's in the house saying, crank it up, baby. Yeah. Miss Julie Rogers, shout out to you. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Angela Cat Roar. Yeah, man. You guys are filling up in the house. Share this podcast, broadcast. We appreciate you. Sass. She says, I saw him coming. I heard that. It ain't us. Run. <laughs> it's definitely your show. Your show, and we appreciate you being here. Buckle up, everybody. That's right, Brainiacs. Welcome aboard, no doubt about it. Joined again with a friend. It was was just going to be an interview, but man, like I said, I got a hold of Mr. Jared Murphy, and I started talking to Jared, and it's like, I I personally, I'm like, I don't know. I've, 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 I've talked to quite a few people, as you guys know, but when it comes to Jared, just he's just easy to talk to. Okay, that's one. Number two, the connection. Okay, he he has he's number one. He's an author. Two, he's a he's a digger and a researcher. He is a an all around absolute great guy. Brainiacs, welcome Jared Murphy to the platform. Jared, say hello to everybody, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're welcome, man. I, I don't know. I don't know what else I can say about you other than you're just uh, you are going to fit in here, bro. That is all I can say. You are an absolute shoe fit, without a doubt. Thanks for well. I'm thank you for everyone tuning in too. That's really great. This is going to be a fun Friday night. I hope for everyone. It will be, of course, dude. We don't ever have a Friday. We, in fact, I don't ever have a show unless it's just like, dude. We will have fun. I assure you. We will have fun. We will dig. We will go down rabbit holes. I, I got a feeling that you and I are going to go down rabbit holes. That that I put it this way: this show is already on thin ice with Facebook, banned on YouTube. <laughs> so that's why we had to go all in house, Jared. Is because the stuff we talk about here, they don't want. These guys to know about, you know, I mean, you're saying the shit we're going to yeah. be talking about, they, they don't want out there. They really don't. 
So you take it from there. What what is what is a bot a not aliens beyond not aliens beyond prehistory? What the hell is this? Well, so like you said, this is the second edition, and uh, this is the first time anyone's seen it. Uh, the first edition was called It's Not Aliens, Worse, It's Us, Discovering Our Lost History. And this book is the update. And so for all of you watching right now and for anyone who watches it, uh, hence recordings, this is the first time anyone's seen the new cover and the new book. So what we're looking at right now is actually the color edition with so many updates and so much more information uh, but there is already so much information about this subject that where we're at is for the longest time, I think there was the 1950s flying saucer, the whole idea that, you know, there's so many things in our past that doesn't add up. And it makes sense that obviously somebody with a better technology came to somewhere on this planet and they helped people out. And that narrative made sense because the, the story we're told is we're the most advanced we've ever been. Mm -hmm. The story doesn't make sense uh, the more we learn about our genes. So this story covers, when you're listening, if you hear the words paranormal, if you hear the words uh, spiritual, or if you think of angels, demons, pick your pick your flavor, depending on your family of origin, and or think of uh, multidimensional quantum mechanics. There's a lot of things that we think of as either new sciences or general fields that aren't related yet. You hear vernac, you know, you'll hear things people say to each other, like, "Hey, you know, this these X amount of religions kind of they all kind of seem to point to the same thing." Or I believe this one thing, but it, I know it flows into that. And the the thing is, there is science, but then it's not that there are other ideas that aren't uh, similar, or that oh, reincarnation is this, and how it all flows together is simply that there has to be if we table all the archaeological facts. <clears throat> a greater narrative and a greater story that points towards a more advanced time that we don't speak about literally prehistory. I mean, how is that a thing? It's like pregame. There's a pregame. There's pregaming. If you're into sports, there's tailgating. That's a pregame thing, mm -hmm. but there's no such, but it's still there. It's not part of the game, but there's no such thing as prehistory. It's like we have these large megalithic structures that show signs of tens of thousands of years of weathering, many of them. But more importantly, what I found after doing three and a half years of research, it started, you know, when I went to write, I thought I'd spend nine months on it. I mean, I've always been into history. So to back it up and the long and short of it for everyone and what we're going to get into is not aliens. It's it's us. It's not that there's not aliens or that there's not uh, other smart, intelligent races around the world or universe or here uh, that might be from somewhere else. That's not the issue. The issue is when you table the facts that you find in the ground of our human history, it shows a very advanced human race was already here. And when you're advanced human, my book covers the fact that what isn't military or clandestine organizations, and there is, there's a lot of truth in all that for everyone out there. Uh, however, when you can right now get a designer baby, you can not only hair color and some genetical traits with, but you can also get it to go down and say, well, I want them to be more apt to be a pianist or a certain height, or, you know, there's, there's already things you can do now at home with a gene crisper. And that's us scratching the surface of a technology for a more advanced human race and where it blurs the lines and what we think is alien or UFO. If you have a very advanced human race that has survived multiple cataclysms that, 
had full control of the human genome. And we're going to get into those evidences and we're going to chat about it. And mm-hmm. What are the sciences and what are the, what are the indicators? But what it shows is this gro- group of humanity is still here. Some of them made it and maybe they weren't the experts. Maybe it was the janitor's kid who survived the mega disaster, but they knew and were aware of the technology and the things. And it may have taken them thousands of years to recover from what we can also talk about, which are what are the disasters that maybe left them uh, just pounded back into the stone age but the reality is that we have enough evidence to show that some of them must have made it and some of these things that are not military or clandestine organizations are likely very advanced humans that they don't need to look human that's the first assumption we judge a book by its cover right and we all yeah yeah right so the reality is that if you say you saw a lizard person or a reptilian or somebody blue or gray or fill in the blank well they're alien well why because they chose to trip out their skin with a gene crisper that said, my infrared onboard display large eyeballs will work with this uh, control panel faster and better. You know, so there's there's a field where we're looking at this stuff and saying, well, no, I've seen an alien. And it's like, are you seeing an alien, uh, a local modern, in quotes, human technology that we created or are you having the fortunate or unfortunate encounter with a very advanced uh, portion of the human race that may or may not be? Uh, and that's why the original book title was It's Not Aliens Worse, It's Us. Is like, hey, is it, isn't it worse if there are our own great, 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 great Phil times two million ancestors and they're not really helping us? Like, hey, we got the cure to cancer, but, you know, the last time we gave them religion, look what happened. So oh, dude. You know. That brings up some whole, that brings up a whole other thing with me uh, and probably would be with everybody else too. If that, if what you just said is true, that would bring and spark an anger. Okay. Yeah. An anger. That would yeah. mean, that would mean, Jared, do you really, really, really realize what that would mean? That would it's mean, bro. Well, besides that, <laughs> I'm just saying that would that would mean that there was and is a cure for cancer beyond a shadow of a doubt. There was and there what? is a cure for dementia without a shadow of a doubt. There was and there is every single thing that we've thought about. Yeah. Okay, that we've pondered and we've yep. lost our love. All of that shit could have been avoided from beginning. Well. Yeah, because if you look at all these rock cut, you know, Eric Vaughn. So we have, so as we're chatting, and this is a first time chat. So how do you stand and like blah, you know, like just puke it all out? The reality is that there are lots of indicators that we have that when we look at a 50,000 foot view, this is a true thing. Part of it is, well, there's all these laser cut, rock cut ruins that are underground and there's all these polygonal megaliths that seem to work with earthquakes and sound and frequency. And then there's all these giant buildings all the way down to ziggurats in the last 6,000 years that in Sumeria that, oh, they're built with pi. And why are they using pi, an Egan value, a sound and a frequency value? Why are they, um, why are there things in our genes that seem to connect to the ground? Or it's like, oh, I'm a naturalist. I connect to the earth. And it's like, (laughs) you know, and it's like, okay, so keep tabling the facts. So you have biotechnology that works with the earth, which to get everybody a little more like what set me off on three and a half years of research on this particularly uh, was Terra Preta and it's an engineered soil, which for everyone looking up, it's Portuguese and they find it in Brazil. And currently 
So what I did was day two of me doing research, which turns into three and a half years, was, hey, well, I am looking for the oldest mummies on Earth. And, well, it turns out it's likely the Paracas, those elongated, skulled, alien-looking humans that are they're, – they're all over the Earth, elongated skulls. But these are not from cranial uh, deformation. These are people that are born this way. And the Paracas have natural preservation to at least 9,000 years and maybe older, which puts them up against Younger Dryas or the biblical flood for everybody. And I thought, okay, this is cool. Uh, and then day two of research, day two, three, uh, there's a documentary I'm seeing, which I talk about in, in the book, which by the way, for everyone getting the pre-look of the new Not Aliens color edition, this is a pre-look. Yeah. It's not available. <laughs> We're just chatting about it. Uh, I will have a pre-order available in about a week, week and a half, but this book is not out yet. It will be soon. But so I'm writing the original It's Not Aliens. So to get back on it here is I see this video of this archaeologist in Brazil taking this documentarian and she says, oh, before we get to Colonel Percy Fawcett, who, you know, was played by Brad Pitt in The Lost City of Z. Did you watch that? No, I'm no. Uh, It's look. I'm not ruining it for everyone because it's a true story. But spoiler alert! Guy, spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Uh, so hey, look. Uh, Colonel Percy Fawcett was a surveyor for the Queen. Surveyed all of Brazil, found pottery, found an ancient lost city, and he said one day I'm going to go back. And he and he was going to find it. And he went with his son, who brought a buddy, and they went out into the jungle. Well, anyway, they never came back out. And that's really the whole movie, right? Okay. So, but he did find what what he found was everywhere he went in the jungle. And I mean, it's crazy to think that a single guy with a small crew surveyed the border of Brazil. That's crazy. That's just crazy the amount of miles that that guy went through wilderness <laughs> that almost probably no one now, other than local indigenous groups, have probably seen quite a bit of it. But this guy was finding pottery shards indicating that there must have been massive population. So, uh, this archaeologist and this documentarian are going to go see the last place that Colonel Percy Fawcett was seen alive. And that's like a dramatic hour-long show. But at the beginning, and this is what's going to be most important to what was on no one's mind and why we're talking the foundation of my books and the work and uh, the foundation of our of our megalist. Down is below, that, below these monster monsters. So this archaeologist says, hey, look, I want to show you Terra Preta. This is an ancient engineered soil, and it can be 15, 20 feet deep. Uh, we think it's the uh, – at least our estimates indicate that in Brazil alone, there's at least as much as an area twice the size of Spain. And, well, we don't know anything else about it except uh, soil scientists have studied it for 100 years. It's the best-growing soil on Earth. Well, isn't that interesting? Okay, well, let's go look for Colonel Percy Fawcett. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. And I'm like, let me get this straight. So I, I, who didn't want to be Indiana Jones as a kid, right? Oh, boy. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, hold on. So I've been doing historical remodeling for 20 years. And I'm used to being in what, here's the joke, you know, 120, 130 uh, you know, th that's considered a historical home around where I'm at. And, and the East Coast has much older homes. But the reality is that I'm used to building and constructing things. And, and I've been studying ancient history for my entire life. But what was really fascinating to me was how do you start talking about an ancient engineered soil? 
that I recalled from my paleo and my self-experimentation world. I had gone paleo about a decade ago, and part of it was, hey, I want to grow more nutrient-dense food. And I recalled completely independently a decade ago, Terra Preta was that, oh, there's a soil you can get illegally because it's really rich growing soil and you can get it for growing your plants. And I'm like, okay, well, as we looked, this soil was self-replicating. The soil was uh, filtering heavy metals, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide for all of those worried about greenhouse gases. Somebody in ancient times developed a soil that filtered heavy metals and carbon dioxide from the air while it self-replicated and was the best growing soil on earth. Stop there for a second. Because yeah. I watched, uh, just for any, uh, for, seriously, stop, hang on for a second. Yeah. And for anybody that really, really, really wants to, because I'm, we're going to pick, we're going to pick Jared's brain throughout the evening on not just this, but other shit too. But, but for anybody that wants to concentrate on what he's talking about now, Jared has got a documentary on YouTube. Okay. Uh, it's a it's what a little bit over an hour. I think it's an hour. Uh no, actually no. It's Nine. only thirty eight minutes. The uh, Terracor. It's only okay, thirty eight. Yeah. Minutes. All right. I'm gonna drop the link. I'm gonna drop the link. I'm gonna look it up while Jared's talking. Okay. While you're while you're talking, Jared, I wanna sure. I wanna like research to find the link, and I will share it with you guys. And I'm telling you right now, self replicating. So listen, listen. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? That there is are scientists. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because this thing, uh, here's what's really interesting is that that identical soil is not only found in Brazil, but it's found in North uh, South America. It's found in Africa. Uh, there's indications of it in Australia. And then that's just one kind of what is modern. The modern mimic uh, material is called a biochar. And they produce biochars for modern farming. So if you and I were going to open an apple orchard, uh, there's a biochar you can add to your soil mix to help you grow apple trees. Or if you're going to grow corn, if you're going to grow wheat, biochars are a modern thing, but they're nothing like Terra Preta. There are scientists, there are lots of research papers. Um, what's really, what, what I found fascinating, actually this side note, I don't talk about this part much either. Uh, just to digress on everyone, and I'm sure I know we'll get, get to questions and things, but they're smart. I'm telling you, this crowd, this crowd, Jared, yeah. is really, really intelligent. Well, so what you'll like is if you look up, if you go to some research, you know, just just look up research papers on Terra Preta, and what you'll find is they'll discuss like the uh, the replication, the self replication, they'll the 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 parts where it's uh, oh. I forgot to mention that it has piezoelectric properties, so it actually can send and receive signals like frequencies and waves. Uh, that's a thing within it. And and by the way, a terra preta is only one kind of an ancient engineered soil, and there are other kinds of ancient engineered soils, and they're found, by the way, on every continent. And that's just what's above. And here's something else. Remember, we're talking about the last – a lot of times when we think ancient history, people – I'm not saying to you think about – ancient Sumer, you know, in the West, we're programmed to think of Sumeria, the Fertile Crescent, out of Africa crap. And that's just a short to sum that up. But then, then everything in the East is a mystery. Everything in the East happened later. Somehow mm -hmm. we'll explain it. You know, everything's out of Africa. But the reality is that we have, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands, you know, millions square miles of uh, 
just tons of land that was part of even Dogger land, uh, as an example, as part of this cluster of land that's underwater that represents the true coastlines of what would have been in an ancient advanced society pre-Younger Dryas, and not only that, but pre-Mount Toba, 75,000. Before we get into 75,000 or 12,000 plus years ago, mm-hmm. the reality is that this ancient engineered soil is on every continent, and specifically Terra Preta has no business being in northern Africa and in South Africa, by the way, where I was doing research a couple of years ago. It, it has no business being in the savannas of South Africa, North Africa, or in South America or Central America, but this ancient engineered soil that has all of these properties, including, um, you know, electromagnetic, actually able to, you know, send and receive signals that this soil should not exist. And, and it shouldn't exist because it's man-made and it's on every continent and it's a very particular recipe, but it's, we can only see so much with, uh, again, with electron microscopes, with chemical tests, they can only see so much. It's like one of the reasons you can think of things in modern times like Coca-Cola, most protected formula, no matter how you try to reverse engineer it, you know, oops, you end up with Pepsi. Just kidding. I mean, it's for those that like Pepsi. Well, Jared, here, here's the thing. You must be, you must be hitting on something. And, uh, and like everybody already knows, I'm here, I'm, I'm looking through the chat here and, and it's going, the audio is not really all that good. And well, the video is cutting out and da, da, da. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing. Everything here on our side, my side, Jared's side, full stream ahead, baby. So whatever Facebook is doing, I have no idea, and I frankly don't give a shit. Welcome aboard the Matrix, the Matrix Minds. Jared, they're, they're going, you know, people's asking where, how, who, who did this? Yeah, so here's what's interesting. Uh so this is the biggest game of archaeological clue that's ever been created. So what do you think? Um, how's my sound? Is it good or no? It, dude, you are redlining. It's perfect. It sounds good. You look good. Okay. You look pretty. You sound pretty. We're, we're, we're pissing some people off. Just saying. They, right. they, they don't They don't want this out there. They, they don't want this out there. So... So yeah, all right. Just checking. So getting back on it, the the issue with it is we have this baseline for our history. So one of the first things. So back to Central South America, there's a city off the uh, west coast of Cuba, and it's 2,300 feet deep, and it was found by a team looking for Spanish gold, and they find this anomaly, and it's an entire pyramidal city which likely has polygonal masonry, which is cymatic polygonal masonry. So it works with earthquakes. So what's the the answer to the question is who built it and why is it on every continent? We have to look at a broader discussion of when and what other things were they building and how were they connected to not only each other, in the structures themselves, but in their actual uh, maybe genetics. And one of the things that we have for that then is the city off the coast of Cuba could not have been above water. We have a number of indicators of the antiquity of man and a number of objects that indicate the level of, you know, 
technology that we reached prior to some destruction or multiple catastrophes. So we're not talking 6,000 years ago. We're, we are at least discussing the Younger Dryas at, at slash biblical flood. So 12,600, give or take years ago, there's this um, something happens worldwide. But things like off the coast of Cuba, this has nothing to do with Atlantis. It has the idea... There's actually two layers to this. So if an advanced human race didn't feel like the primitives around them would give a crap if they were around, think of it this way. What if Solon the Greek goes to Egypt, hears about how the uh, that the Greeks were advanced, and then, um, you know, the Atlanteans had 10 cities, and, you know, there is uh, clear indicators they were very advanced, but then they were all sunk in the flood. Well, what if it's really just a sliver of truth about very advanced humans living in proximity to the survivors of Mount Toba? So this is the first date I'm going to throw at everyone, which is we have a super volcano that goes off that says that it was so bad that human breeding populations based on what, mind you, we have no complete fossil record. And I'm so sorry I'm quoting it uh, standard act as standard academia for this, but their estimates say based on various reporting is that six to now they always say it this way too. I find it odd six to 26 ish thousand breeding pairs of humans were left on the planet after Mount Tobo goes off. Well, that was, you said six, six to 26. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you something. Academia, and this is to all of you, pencil pusher, tie-wearing, certified assholes that can literally say that's the way it is from 6 to 26. Because let me tell you what. If, if, if someone was taking a high school test, okay, and, and the number 6 to 26 literally was um, between pass or fail, sorry, You'd yeah, lose. They, they meant you like lo- six thousand, right? Whatever. But still, like, how they would, would they know that, right? They whatever. Man, how would they know that? They wouldn't. They wouldn't, Jared. Let's just cut the chase. They wouldn't. They're they're guesstimating this, and they're saying that's my seal of approval. Yeah, and there's so we we have a hard time. I have a hard time detaching myself from what we think of as known history. So. Our reference points are usually, oh, well, we know about this from cuneiform tablets, and we know about this from uh, some ancient historical uh, Chinese uh, or, you know, Hindu, uh, obviously the oldest documents, at least from a religious and or written text, you know, the Hindu Vedas and that 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 folklore poem uh, history is ongoing and running. But when it comes to the reality of, two major events that seem to have set back the human population that could have been advanced. I think there's two points. One is younger Dryas and the other is I think the 12,600 year ago flood slash world catastrophe was really just a remnant. I'm not saying there wasn't new asteroids or uh, a sunburst or, you know, there's a lot of different theories from Robert shock to, uh, you, you, there's a lot of different possibilities of what may have happened to cause the final melting of or 
deluge of 12,600 years ago, give or take. But I, I think that that's really a remnant leftover of what happened 75,000 plus or minus 1,000 years is the estimate for Mount Toba. And we also have Denisovan, Neanderthal, and humans at least. Now, this is standard academia again for everyone listening. They say that approximately 50, 60,000 years ago, which isn't, I think, out of the realm of really what they're probably saying is post-Mount Toba, that Denisovan, Neanderthal, and humans all bred together. So I think what we have are a separation of whoever was left after what happened with Mount Toba kind of banding together and doing what they could to survive. Meanwhile, we have all these rock-cut ruins at Buzz Aldrin and Eric Von Danigan. You know, we have video of them which loves to be touted on and i i i do love eric von danigan don't get me and i've met him i'm not saying anything negative about that uh but what i am saying is that we have this uh touted uh moments in history where even buzz aldrin took an interest in these rock cut tunneling systems that are in bolivia that the um they're they're not just in bolivia they're through the andes they're in peru they're in they're they're all over South America. They're under Egypt. When people say Egypt's um, underground, what they leave out is that it's actually very complex tunnel systems. It's not 90% buried because sand just went over it. Mm-hmm. But off the coast of Cuba, to get back on that city, that's 2,300 feet deep. And I just mentioned Denisovan and Neanderthal that were breeding with humans about 50-ish plus thousand years ago. Nobody built the city off the coast of Cuba and said, okay, well, we're ready for a flood. The reality is, you know, the reality is that for all the times that these things have been manipulated, the reality is that you have a city that's laid dormant because of water for at least 50 or 60,000 years. And Mm -hmm. then we have a history pre 75,000 years ago. And I think that the megaliths that are above water in Japan, you know, megalithic Japan, Mm -hmm. all the way to megalithic Europe, Siberia, Baalbek, these large 1,000, 2,000 ton stones represent a society and technologies that have been obliterated maybe for that long. And I think remnants of those societies that did not reactivate a global network of engineered soils and metamaterials, which are nano, anything from a sand to uh, nano size structures and larger metamaterials that have to do with megalithic foundations and things that I know we are going to talk about. I think what happened was, is that worldwide society after whatever man-made and or physical disaster, there weren't enough of them left to reactivate or for whatever reason they didn't. And that left them picking up the pieces of tech. And I think this is where we have two divergent points right now. We can kind of go down and speculate what happened to them and our interactions and experiences over the last, you know, 50, 80, a hundred years, all the way back to Nuremberg and, you know, the sightings of UFOs fighting. Are they, are they UFOs or are they advanced uh, remnant human races fighting with each other still not in agreement about what they should do or how they should interact or what they should do with survivors. Or do we go down the road of, okay, well, Michael Cremo wrote a book called forbidden archeology span and it's about 700 plus paleoanthropological finds of humanity being found anatomically correct humans, uh, bones, fingers, you name it being found in 3 million, 5 million, 1.2 million, 20 million, 120 million, 60 million year old finds of anatomically correct humans. 
And then if we circle back to religion and or religious texts that represent history, you have the Hindu Vedas talking about millions of years of human history, 60 million years of human history. So we have speculatively or uh, within uh, religious organizations that have established long histories and we have in physical evidence actual again for michael cremo it's citing actual paleoanthropological standard academic finds of hey uh there's this it wasn't a burial here's a here's human bones and it's in the red crag and it's two million three million five million years old and then we have sites like we can fast forward this and we can jump all around we could do a whole show just talking about anomalous human finds that shows humans living quite well way prior to forget all about the sumerians and again we're in the west so we always talk about the sumerians like <clears throat> they were they were a big deal yet we have this whole history with the hairpin and the indian cultures and megalithic japan and all these other megaliths that appear to be global so we have engineered soils that no one's talking about mm-hmm. all over the planet they are connected and around megalithic not rebuilt not remodeled not repaired but megalithic structures including the great pyramid and Baalbek and these other things that we've talked about all the way to cusco and Sacsayhuaman, like we're looking at in the pictures with everyone here that all have building techniques and construction that show a level of technology that not only can we not repeat, but apparently we can't even repeat it down to the soil. There is so much that you said in that segment that I wanted, wanted, wanted to touch on. <laughs> I mean, I've wanted to stop you for a second and say, but, 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 but oh. what about, but what about, but here, yeah. let's, let's do it. Let's let, digress. Let's let's, all right. I, we've got a half an hour before break. So here's the, let me, let me say, let, Let's go back to this. You we're, you keep talking about these sunken cities, Jared. And here's the thing. Shh. Nobody wants to talk about it. We're talking we're talking now about monster megaliths, okay? That are above the ground. And you're discussing paleolithic genetically modified dirt okay yeah. that predate what I'm sorry let, let, pencil pusher would you say 5,000 to go 6,000 they give us 6,000 year structure you're saying that yeah. the dirt I'm saying let's just stick with normal numbers here okay because I know a lot of them guys are not very fucking bright they may think they are but they're not Let's just give them 5,000 years. These temples below us, 5,000 years old. What we're saying is the soil below it matches and or predates, we'll say, yeah, predates the shit above it. Because, well, guess what? We got, like you just said, Jared, we got shit in the ocean buried there. That Wait, how did it get there? Because we sure didn't flood it. Well, it had to have been before the pre-ice age. And Well, wait, academiology. Wait, 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 wait. Now I'm fucking pointing my finger at you, you. When was the last ice age? Wait, how long was that? What would you you say? What? Huh? You're going to have to predate this shit below that below. Hang on, Jared. They're going to have to predate the shit that they find below that. Um, below the the surface of, of the water. To at least how far did you predate the soil below what we're looking at now? 
Well, the the only official academic record point is plus 6,000 years. Okay. They won't put down. Then that's fine. That's fine. When was the last fucking flood? Let's just think about this. Yeah. Do you see where I'm going here? Yeah. They literally have Swiss cheese their entire story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what makes it exciting to say, okay, now let's all of us with our knowledge base and, and the listener knowledge base, okay, let's just quit with the paradigms and start with let's table all of the facts. And when you table all the facts independently and what we're, what we're going to piece together globally is a worldwide population that was so in tune genetically, not only within themselves, but within the animal and plant world around them that we have to consider that what we think of as technology is actually biological switching technology, ones and zeros that what we're looking at in quotes as a random natural world of evolution is quite possibly uh, part of a global network from soil and fungus and bacteria that were part of a piezoelectric connected to genetic abilities like synesthesia is where you're uh, able to uh, communicate via thoughts and or uh, senses or, you know, yellow, e uh, you know, three plus four is yellow or yellow equals three is seven. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's, the, there's a very realistic possibility that we were never just 10 or 15% conscious that there was a point where we were, conscious completely that the slivers of truths about age of humanity like an individual lifespan that the reality is that we're referencing now technologies that did a lot for indefinite um lifespans or repairable bodies and the ideas of reincarnation make a lot more sense when you think of the human brain as a zip file that if you are part of a collective human network and you are in contact with that and, you know, through things like Carillion photography, where you can see the magnetic field around a human being in itself, the reality is there's a lot of even standard academic models that show your memory drive, your solid state drive is part of a magnetic field around you. It's not even within your brain itself. So if we were catastrophically failed, as in meteor hits you and I in our houses right now, what if the sliver of truth and reincarnation is the reality that, all the ones and zeros that make you up and the hyperbolic chambers potentially at the, at the Osirion uh, are hyperbolic chambers that through direct uh, you know, technologies would be able to reconstitute a completely failed body. If you couldn't just repair the human body through frequency <clears throat> and wave technology that's managing cellular, uh, whether it's like cancer or cold, the reality is that as we travel through the universe, we're always through the solar system, through the galaxy, through the universe. We are always experiencing frequencies and waves that are ionosphere, that a worldwide pyramid energy grid network slash. I'm just giving people a big picture here. It's mm -hmm. not the only thing a pyramid can do. But if we had a tuned, in quotes, tuned planet that we were a part of and it was out of tune, then maybe you have a cold and maybe I have cancer. But by the time we walk out of the fully tuned sound amphitheater uh, where we've seen a full play with all of our synesthesia abilities, same time, uh, the music, the sounds, the frequencies that cured your cold and my cancer. And we've retuned the planet as we travel for the next fill in the blank thousand years through this portion of the galaxy allows us to not be irritated, not be angry, not get cancer not get this cold. But this is a global system that's incorporating down to uh, subatomic structures to 
have a connected planet to not just an, a giant megalithic structure made of 1,000 or 2,000 ton stones and protect against earthquakes, but we're talking about a system externally and internally that relates into what we think of as a natural world in reality, a biotechnical world that we actually do help develop and shape. Jared, I'm an academiologist. I'm sitting across the table from you. You just presented to me your case. I look at you and say, you're crazy. There's no way for you to prove it. How are you going to prove it? Well, well, so there's lots of ways to prove it. That's the problem is not, I'm not saying go get my book, but the the reality is that it's such a huge, um, it's so interesting. So let me give you one example about biological switching. Mm-hmm. Uh and this is so funny because this was done like over 30, almost 30 years ago. There is a, um, you, you have an orthopedic surgeon. So Carillion photography, you're familiar with that, right? Mm-hmm. So you take a picture for everybody out there, you know, and you can see a human magnetic aurora. And there is an orthopedic surgeon that was in New York that was messing with the idea that, so salamanders can regrow their tail, regrow their limbs, right? But frogs had lost the ability to do it. And so what they did was they started measuring the magnetic field that was being projected by the salamander into the new limb. Like there's a ghost limb. You can actually, through a Carillion photography, you could actually see it. There's a lot of, anyway. A lot of, lot yeah. of lot, there's a lot of um, paranormal metaphysical shit science in there that well we don't really yeah. we don't really have I, I know i don't have a way to like scientifically tell you how it was done although there the the case study has been let's go just to, let's do it this way the case study has been this you can take an um an positive ion just a positive ion stick it in a glass of water here let's take the embryo of a frog over here sonically you can take that eye that positive i don't know if you knew this jared ion and you could turn that ion just an ion into a frog genome yeah, yeah like the okay. genetic transfer stuff exactly. yeah exactly and, and- and so this um, orthopedic surgeon, long story short, is 30 years ago, They so they're, give or take, they're measuring the magnetic field around the salamander. Well, they, I guess I don't know the details as to how and why they chopped off. Well, I know why, but they, so they chop off a frog's leg mm-hmm. and they repeat the magnetic field that was being projected by the salamander. And lo and behold, the frog rediscovers its ability to regrow a limb. And wow. now mm-hmm. in the in the analysis of this process, they stated that we can't help but see that what was going on at a cellular level was literally ones and zeros electronic. It was very much in quotes, basically, that it was biotechnical switching, that it was basically ones and zeros computer switching. And that was really interesting because we have a number of examples of what we think of as uh, natural. Uh, This is just natural. This just happened and it's natural. Mm -hmm. But here's one example of uh, observing the magnetic fields and their behavior when, when it was manipulated with the frog was that they couldn't help but notice that it had the same personality as biological uh, 
ones and zeros, electronic switching. And a lot of what we credit as natural for So for one, uh, you said table the theory. I'm in, you know, I'm in academia. What's, what, what's the story? What's the story? Well, the, the reason Michael Cremo's work is so important and the reason if you, if they can't beat him, they made him join, you know, he's a part of a lot of archeological Congress, uh, Congresses and, and speaks uh, to the archeological world. And, you have another great example. Well, so Michael Cremo compiles academia's own finds, again, of anatomically correct humans going back not hundreds of thousands, but millions of years. Remember, to become a fossil is an exception, mm-hmm. not the rule. Right. So they have already bit themselves in the foot by what they do is they just don't teach the new paleoanthropologists Hey, you know, do you know about this bone or that bone or this? It's not a chronological order. You have humans living alongside in the Pliocene. You have humans living anatomically correct. They are not evolutionarily coming from some half monkey guy. They are living alongside monkey guy. And so that's a problem. And so you have those examples. And I I really highly recommend that just to get inspired. And if you're a young researcher or you're, you're just young at this, you should get Michael, you should get forbidden archeology. span And then a great example, a great example that he really championed was Virginia Steen McIntyre. And I think it's really important to talk about this woman because she got ostracized. She was a rising star in geology, her and about eight other geologists go to a site in Huatlaco, Mexico. This is Northern Mexico. And they were brought in by archeologists. So this is the joke. They get brought in to date a site, which, you know, they made it really clear, you know, this site's about 36,000 years old. Well, these are geologists. They know what the rocks are telling them. They know what the, and and what's great about this is Michael Cremo does the whole story about her and has been championing her since he wrote about her. And uh, some young paleoanthropologists and archaeologists and anthropologists have taken an interest in it because the minimum date that she gave for the site and she got ostracized, she got fired from her uh, college. They published independently after the archaeologists said, well, you know, it's just not that history. That's just not our narrative. You know, you're wrong. But that's like, I, I don't know, that's like a guy selling surgical knives to a you know, a neurosurgeon and telling the neurosurgeon how to use the knife. (laughs) Right. Right. This scalpel comes with a manual. (laughs) And and I've read the manual. I'm like, not the same thing, but Virginia Steen McIntyre did this work and they dated the site to be at a minimum 275,000 years. Oh, yeah. Yep. And now, now they said 275 to 350, but here's the thing. This was an anatomically correct human site. I'm saying that because it is not Neanderthal. It is not Denise Van. It is not some, you know, it's not a subhuman. It's humans. Well, and well the, why not? And, I mean, you just said you said earlier the academiologist says they'll give it, what, uh, 6 to 26. So if they're yeah, giving 6, 6,000 to 26,000 years. If they're, uh, no, if they're going, if they're going to give, they're going to give it that they're not the ones that studied they're not the ones that's got boots on the ground they're not the ones that that do this day in day out chew this eat this sleep this right but yet they bring in the art they they bring in those who that they're now going to what they're now going to shun them and shit oh my god jared yeah Mm. well so what's cool is that because so one of the cool things about having shows like this and having listeners that are interested and passionate and also looking into it is that over the years some people have some 
uh, academic mainstream researchers, younger ones, that well, they find out about it. And Michael, I've, I've had the chance to talk to him a bunch of times now, and he uh, has a new story where a paleoanthropologist went back with more geologists, and now the site is considered to be at least a half a million years old. Jesus Christ. 350 to a half a million. 500,000 years we're talking. 350, 500 at least, and somewhere in there, what you, so these are this is in North America, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's in Waitlaco. But the point is, is that that's just one example. Because then there's one that I talk about in my book, and about the, these are Siberian. So it's in it's in Russia, and these are Siberian. Uh, well, they're gold mines, is what they're looking for. They're looking for gold. They're going to dig gold. So they're looking for little bits of gold. So they they have the machinery. They're testing. They're going through stuff and. There was a professor researching what they found were gold nano screws and springs, and they were very small. And based on the layer of earth that they were in, they were 22 to 220,000 years old. 22,000 to 220,000 years old. And and I put those nanostructures in the book. But they're easy to look up. Just look up Russian nano uh, gold parts and you'll get lots of photos and 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 these aren't just earrings these are they look like precision parts mm-hmm. and everyone has to remember again becoming a fossil is an exception not the rule and it's also the earth is grinding itself from the inside out you know so you know millions of years 20 million 10 million you know that you're it really is doing a number on itself but tens of thousands of years is still you know kind of still kind of geologically young, obviously, you know, but now these uh, structures, now those are a couple things that are, I'm just giving a couple oddities. So one, we have lots of examples of biological, technical ones and zero biotechnology switching that seems to be artificial and designed, but then we have nano parts, you know, out of place, out of time artifacts. Yeah. That's not, not, that's not art. That's not like normal. That isn't natural. No. That's that's that is man. That is technological yeah. advancement right there. That that is that is key yep. right there. And that means that if you mix that with also anatomically correct humans, it's like okay. Well, a minimum factual point at this point would be to say uh, we don't know our own history, and there's clearly much more human history in prehistory than there is in anything that we've kept track of. And it's with anatomically correct humans living side by side for maybe millions of years with other species, including, which brings us kind of full round back to the Paracas, these elongated skulled humans Mm -hmm. that even at a minimum, if they're genetically us and they're not per se in quotes alien, the reality is, is that they're all found all over the earth. And what's weird, and this should be a big question for everyone. And without even having to say the word conspiracy, although I just did, is that no one has genetically from any of these big universities no one's tested them genetically which is an odd thing isn't it it's you have a suture line in the head there's anatomical things that we can look at about where their arterial dissections go into their skull uh their suture lines in their head they're born this way and that in itself should just be really interesting to anyone who's interested in in quotes prehistory or ancient times and biologically yet we don't have a single harvard smithsonian fill in the blank national geographic story about hey we've done the genetic testing 
on these skulls and these people. In fact, in the 70s, uh, the blood testing was done. And here's a here's a low-hanging fruit. You know, they said everybody came over from a land bridge and there was only a few million people in all of North America, yet they got really busy building pyramids. But the blood on the stained uh, uh, wrappings of some of these mummies they were already showing a blood type that shouldn't exist in South America in the time that they said there was only South America. And right. Right. As my book is, Oops. as I'm writing. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Right. So you have the LIDAR scans that are coming out and now they're almost, I can't believe it. You know, in the times that we live that we've fast forwarded two years, but in Guatemala, they do the LIDAR scans and they're doing, uh, it was they only done it was a rectangle of about 800 miles and they found 60,000 structures and they literally rewrote how many people were in central and south america and they said just from what we found uh we're gonna say that there was over 15 or 20 million people that we've grossly underestimated south america central america as a location of of what we're in quotes prehistory that that there easily could have been societies that had come from South America, Central America, and not just went there as, as academia likes to say is, you know, this is where societies go to die. And <laughs> that's, and, and shame and, on and, you. You're going to hell <laughs> says the Vatican. Yeah. So, so the reality is that, well, and now here's another gross elephant in the room that no one's talking about. How is it that there's ancient engineered soil in in anywhere in Africa, let alone South Africa and all the way? It'd be one thing if you found it in one area. Right. But from North Africa to South Africa, they're, they're finding engineered terra preta and the identical recipe in South America, not only in Brazil, but in other areas. And it's not like someone, by the way, it's not like we can go webcam the group that's plugging the earth to look for the rest of Terra Preta. That's just what they're estimating. And for whoever has done the research or chosen to report it and to come kind of circling back on what I was about to bring up with this smart audience is that if you start looking up academic papers on Terra Preta, they'll start talking about all the properties and what they, oh, it deserves. Here's a code. They'll say, well, it deserves further study as in shit. We don't know what it is or how to do it. Right. But then, but then they'll also say, uh, which I find fascinating is that the few papers that you can read that will say in, you know, in their summaries, they'll say, well, uh, it's really old, but I, we don't want to be too conclusive on its age. It deserves further study. And it's very specific. And I would tell you that the narrow window of what they're saying is it's so old, we don't want to say. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs> Stop there. Stop there. Because we're at already, yeah. we're at an hour. Stop there. Yeah. Because whenever we come back after break, again, it's, it's a three minute break. Not even that. Um, we're going to, I'm going to, we're going to get into, I want you to go into what the significance for Terra Preta research even is because below us right now are three, you know, two megalithic structures sitting on a foundation that, that predate predates the structure itself from what you're saying. And even what we're, even what we're digging within, in, in the ocean covered in the ocean. Okay, they have done this for a very long time, Jared, because if they've done if they've done the the terraforming and and the preparation for the foundation of not just, you know, Machu Picchu, the Babak, Peru, all all of these megalithic structures, right? Egypt, they've done it to the foundations of the shit that is underneath of the ocean. 
Yes, and those have been less manipulated because they've been protected by, oh, you know, 2,300 feet and crushing uh, depths of uh, water. So there's there are places we're going to be able to go that have not been manipulated by current power structures in the last 6,000 years. You and I, whenever we get back, we're going to piss off academiology like I love to do. I just love to, Oh, yeah. Come at me, bitches. I'm telling you, I love doing this. This is why I live right here, man. I'm telling you, bringing people like yourself on to the show to say you have been lying to our people. Now, Jared is not. So, I'm telling you right. I, I, I've spoke to Jared for almost three weeks now, off and on, off and on. He's a busy man. I know he's not suicidal. I know he's not homicidal. Thank you. Okay, not suicidal. So if this man right here beside me, brainiacs disappear, you know why? There's something evidentially going on below the dirt of these monster megaliths, and this man right here is going to prove it to you. Telling you, he's gonna prove it to you. Jared, hang on, my friend. You got three minutes. Take a potty break, my yep. friend. Everybody else, I hope to God you guys stick with myself and Jared. We will be back, my friends. We will indeed be back. Okay, hang tight, my friend, with Jared, Mister Jared Murphy, below the megalithic monsters. All right, all righty, brainiacs. On the other side of things, with Mr. Jared Murphy, my friend, again turned turned off from an interview to become. I I I just like the dude. I I connect with him. I like him. Welcome back, Jared. We are on the other side of things. Then we're gonna dig deep into like why the significance, why the significance as to what you're doing, what you're researching, and you're putting the time and the effort into a book. The book. Let's talk about what you're putting in this book. Yeah, I think a little bit of what really is for anyone on a personal journey to self-discovery, wherever they're at, you know, wherever they're at with meditation or spirituality or their personal physical fitness and and their, you know, the mechanics of their meditations. You know, I do something like Wim Hof where, you know, you're consciously controlling your immune system and the reality is that all of this connects not just to our history and who and what we were, but of course it's like, you know, you forget the, you forget the past, you're condemned to relive it. But when it comes to the technologies of the past, I think right down to the meta materials that made up these superstructures, these materials that you see indicating um, cymatic, you know, frequency wave control in the polygonal buildings. I think the technology in um, magnetic and um, frequency technology that we can see not just remnants of in these large to you know engineered soils I think are remnant within our genes and our dormant system I think for those out there that have had definite experiences of what you know very very credible and professional and uh, not crazy people that have had paranormal or spiritual it's not, and again, it's not that this is a little blurred line, you know, for those that may identify something that was a spiritual experience for them, but uh, vision, second sight, remote viewing, all these things are like, oh, you know, there's a, there's something to this. There's something to that. I mean, Mike, you know, I've, I have a good friend, Gary, that just went through the same process of 
of learning from the ex-CIA guy that was teaching everyone remote viewing. But these are not separate technologies. These are not separate experiences. They are part of what I like to call banging on the blinky board. And the only way I can put it is, is that we are so complex and advanced that we even have the ability, and we've seen it in quantum mechanics, where you observe uh, what you want to experience for an outcome and it doesn't even matter you uh, look for an outcome in a quantum experiment and they found this eerie uncanny thing in the world of science that the outcome of a quantum experiment frequently ends up uh, being what you want it to be by it's like the whole schrodinger cat in a box thing is the cat dead or alive you know if a tree falls in a forest does anyone hear it if no one's there Mm -hmm. Uh, it's that it's that eerie ability of us and is it that eerie when in the world of vibrational medicine uh we have studied it doesn't matter the faith it doesn't matter the language we have studied healers and their effects on water their effects on plants their effects on people and we say okay well why doesn't the religion matter why doesn't the you you know why is it it's not the race it's not this or that and yet there's these common abilities that when you bang on the blinky board, in other words, if we have a causal effect by observation, is it that we once had technology that would appear almost magical or wizardry-like where we're looking at something and we want a certain outcome or a thing? Or you know, if you have a few million people, 100 million people focusing like the power <laughs> of eight, uh, if you have a number of people focusing on the idea of a demon, on the idea of an angel, on the idea of a paranormal dark entity or fill in the blank, an alien. Right. The reality is that we're very powerful. Uh, we are very complex and advanced beings that, you know, uh, Robert, you know, Graham Hancock says we were a species with amnesia. But I like to say that we're in safe mode, like a crappy <laughs> computer. <laughs> we're in safe mode. Just crap mode. Yeah. We're, we're basically in safe mode. Jared, there's a lot more because the, now, now, now you are barking up the the tree that the brainiacs are up in. Every I'm telling you right now, we are all on on that. There's something spiritually, metaphysically attached to these monsters we call megaliths. That uh, again, uh, again, like you're talking the terraform, and now you're getting into the metaphysical properties and the origins and the. the there is obviously a spiritual con- Jared, there's a connection between these structures, myself and you and everybody else. But what is it? What, what is it? Well, I, I think what, because we're only 14, to, you know, they say, you know, you're only 10 to 14 percent conscious. And it's like, OK, well, if evolution is correct, then if we only get things through a forced adaptation, then what happened to the other 85 percent of our brain? Duh. And right. And so. The reality is so we're in safe mode and what that means is is that our ability to comprehend and one could argue that you know my 10% is different than your 10% is different than Einstein's 10% or Schrodinger's 10% or Tesla's 10% you know or 15% it doesn't matter is that the complexity of each being uh, each human being is I think a different animal when we're observing things fully conscious. So one of the dangers we live with right now being in safe mode and not fully conscious is that when we observe something, depending on our, our family of origin story, we observe it as paranormal. We observe it as dark or this or that. But the reality is, is that we're only getting a sliver of 
what we're we're banging okay so banging on the blinky board Uh you bang on the left you get a green light you bang on the right you get a red light but the deal is you're banging the board so hard that underneath the technology is giving a response it might not even be a response that has nothing to do with you banging on it's just it's accidentally hitting a loose you know little the buttons connecting to the one electronic switch but god forbid you start praying to the blinky board and it's right 20 percent of the time like the weather reports and before you know, so when someone walks up in a thousand years and says, "Why are you banging on the control panel of a 747? That's a plane and a cockpit, and that's a plane." And then, of course, the people have been banging on the blinky board for a thousand years. Say, "That's a heretic. Burn him." And <laughs> that's right. That's I think our relationship with how advanced we once were, and one of the indicators to that is why it's not aliens worse. It's us, is because I think that we have a large group of advanced humans, probably still like. Maybe not as in millions walking among us. It's not like they with Rowdy Roddy Piper. But the the reality is that we observe someone that doesn't look like us and we say, well, they're not from here. They are definitely from somewhere else. They're multidimensional. They're from somewhere else. But we're missing the obvious point that the entire globe is covered in a mechanical, physical, and genetic system that seems to be intertwined in a way that would include what we think spiritually of as a third eye, that in reality, the biomechanics of not only us, but the systems around it seem to be designed to interconnect. So when we bang on the blinky board and we observe something, or worse, because we're mostly dormant now, and I think there's a collective memory that's, again, I think our, like the Guatemalan LIDAR scans indicated that there was at least 15, 20 million people. By the time they're done LIDAR scanning, if we can get the numbers in the next decade, uh, I think they're going to find that we're we're right now just reaching minimal human populations. I think one of the best uh, analogies I was ever given was actually by Michael Tellinger, and I got a credit to him with it because I never thought about it. But his point was, if you take 8 billion people and you give them an acre, they basically take up just over two Texases. That's how unpopulated the planet is. So Correct. just think of an acre each that's not bad land i mean if you lived in a mormon community that would be your home garden and and you live on your land and you could make enough food but now you put everybody in an apartment building well now you only need one texas plus you know what what you're talking about right now is why i give credit to tellinger also because he is very smart his research is his and he's been around dude he's been around for a long time Okay, I, I'm. Super, yeah. we, we just talked about, you know, like I said, Jared Murphy over here is not suicidal. Okay, I don't know how in the hell Tellinger has still has still stayed alive either. <laughs> yeah, because he's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> well, the, the I think what's important is the collective human ram, that collective consciousness. I do think that it's not a matter of just a few smart people building off of other smart ideas. I think as woo-woo as this sounds, that whether you're banging rocks or living in a jungle or or people devalue you because you're not as conscious as or they perceive you to be, I think the collective human ram is what makes the edge of our most advanced and or whether it's the world of MoveNat, Move Natural, Erwin LaCour's mm-hmm. work or Edo Portal or uh, uh, Mark Sisson, the paleo world and or Wim Hof or Steve Severinsen, you know, the, the work that's being done to consciously control your immune system, to consciously uh, do things that are considered superhuman, 
all of these abilities, I think, are awakening. When we say there's a great awakening, it's not a random star-aligned event because of a solstice. It's because there is enough collective human RAM that the genetic system is – you're able to tap in. And I do think – I mean, there's a lot of mechanics around it. But collectively, we're reaching a level where we can re – identify some of this stuff and and again what i was getting to earlier is that if you got if you got 20 million people who believe in a uh system of a belief system well it's just like those quantum experiments and expecting and getting a result that you want you can bang on the blinky board and say well i believe in this demon i believe in this paranormal entity and the thing is if you have 20 million 100 million a billion people believing in it you can create something literally out of the tesla's described ether which is what everything was described as we we've stopped describing the universe with the ether that it is but that ether was something that is we at one point i think when we were conscious when we were not 15 or 10 percent but 80 90 100 percent conscious and connected to each other in a conscious way i think that when we chose to manipulate the ether itself it can manifest things that to us now would look like something merlin or something magical or harry potterish but the reality is is that it's part of a technical system and so again based on my upbringing or yours we might look at things and go well and i'm not saying there's not a spiritual world and again not saying there's not aliens Mm -hmm. but the reality is is that we need to start We need to stop and back up and look and go, wow, there is so much technology in us and around us and in our history that there are remnants of that acting on us and with us now that we are awakening to, whether it's conscious control of our immune system or whether it's abilities like synesthesia or second sight or remote viewing, these are real technologies and they're not random and they're not because of, you know, some gift from some stone, from some Marvel comic, you know, story or some legend. These are actual technologies. And the the hardcore one that we talked about before the break, uh, one that is then left and sidebarred is, Okay, well, they observed these megalithic buildings like Sacsayhuaman that you had up earlier says, okay, well, if there's an earthquake and you got to think so many hundreds of thousands of miles in the ground and over that this tectonic plate, when that wave hits this building again, it's going to shake the walls. But because they've been built, you know, laser cut with 20 sides and they're all fit together with no mortar that this whole building is going to shake and not fall. Yeah, it's not going to fall. But the one thing that we've left out and where a lot of my research is focused, it's, you know, once the soil was put on my plate as a, as a historical builder uh, and also, uh, you know, for the research that I like to do, my one of my first questions then is when you look at the technology today is called seismic metamaterials. And what that is, is, is nano size particles to um, larger pieces of anything that they can stick under a building or multiple buildings like stone spheres that we find all over the earth, all over the earth from the Arctic Circle, from the Russian Arctic Circle to New Zealand, to South America, to San Francisco. We find these from golf ball size to 64 tons in Bosnia, round stone spheres that are not natural concretions. These are man-made. They have different layers. There's been no building material science research, but they're like, 
one of the one of the smart observations is that they're not perfectly round in their various sizes and shapes. But what they do is they tie into uh, a system that involves seismic sound and frequency resonance and seismic metamaterials, not just pounding a foundation to create a hard foundation to put, you know, billions of tons of megalithic blocks, but creating a foundation that is out of layers upon layers of whether they're very tiny particles or whether they're very big or one inch layers of this particular crystal or another layer of this particular thing. And by the way, the picture, if is that picture up for people or? Yeah, no? they can see it. They can see what you okay. see. They sure can. So that woman is in that woman, that block is estimated to be over 700 tons, just the one block. And you can see the complexity of the cuts and it almost looks like the stones have been like softened like marshmallows. But one of the things that's never pointed out about Sakse Waman here is that where she's standing, there there's an estimation that there's actually 40 to 60 feet of more wall below her. So are we looking at the wall that was used by indigenous people over the last 3,000? You know, they're, the joke is they're saying they, you know, this is only 16 or 1,800 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see the pencil pusher that said that because you know what? What we're seeing is what they want us to see. Okay. Right. That is exactly. I'm being being honest with you, Jerry. What we're looking at, my friend, is what they want us to see. Okay. There's. When you take that, yeah, take that veil away though, and you think maybe this is 40 feet deeper. And if you were to clear the wall, if like you're really looking at the top of a structure of a building that goes much deeper, but. What about the foundation itself? It's not about just creating a stable one. Well, look up it's top. It's about you pointed this out to that, me. Well, how is that? What was that? You pointed this out to me. Go ahead. Look at the top. Yeah. Top row. And, and so, for everyone listening, the issue isn't just that they created a strong foundation. The issue is, did they create a foundation that actually has many complex layers of seismic metamaterials that may also be you know, piezoelectric sensitive that connect through uh, other other personalities like keystone cuts and engineered soils there that are ramped right up to these buildings. And is it really part of a network that includes uh, large fungal bacterial networks with uh, tree systems? Are we looking at an interconnected system that not only helps support the structure staying in place, but helps connect other biotechnologies and so one of the things instead of looking for mummies and gold and jewels which is all cool i mean i'm all about indiana jones uh i really am but me too yeah i can i'm not gonna lie about that that's just awesome but what i think is sounds less sexy but in if everyone's listening i think what's really really interesting is the idea that uh, if we started taking core samples and and this gets into you said hey watch my oh did you get that link for my uh for that uh, documentary for Terracore, it's on Not Aliens I, I on YouTube. I don't know what you said. What did you did you send it to me? I can bring. You know what? No, no. Oh, here. Um, I, I'll just so Not Aliens on YouTube. I will send that to you quickly. Hey, you got look, um, scope this out. Watch what we're high tech here, bro. Watch, watch, oh, what, yeah. watch what we're gonna do. Watch what we're gonna do for everybody while the, while they're looking at the how to contact you on the show. Below Monsters Megalus, um, if you guys want to speak to Jared, you can do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to open up another screen here. I'm going to um, go to my screen share. And, Jared, you ain't got to really worry about it, bro. I, I'll find it here. 
um, I'm looking at that. I'm going to open up a Brave browser. I am sending it to you. Cool. Uh, Matthew. Math. Oh, sorry. There we go. So yes. personal text. Just personal that. text. See what I'm saying? I'm I, telling you, Jared, you and I have got a long friendship here. We've got a lot of things to do. I'm telling you, we do. Yep. We've when got you a- said save, I'm going to make him come to some of our expeditionary <laughs> work. So, yes, you're going to have to uh, plan to come because we can be doing this live. I think for everyone listening, I think one of the cool things to do is to – I know we want to be able to get things done uh, without interference from um, the wrong groups, uh, you know, the people that don't want these things to come out. But when we do do field work, it would be cool to have uh, listeners and uh, people who want to participate involved. And right now, uh, this this material science is so important because I don't think these structures are built on just a simple, hard-packed foundation, which for an average home for most Americans is maybe a foot and a half, two feet. I'm not talking about your foundation wall. I'm talking about what it's sitting on, which is it could be clay, clay sand, uh, soil, a little bit of everything. And you're supposed to pre-compact it. So you dig down. You know, we have basements where we are. And this then hand. That's that. Yeah. And then what, what, the, what the issue is, uh, it's not that simple now. Because when you have a building the size of the Great Pyramid, and you have, uh, like Saksai Waman, what we were just looking at, all of these structures have a, have a system that is so... Uh, complex involving the soil also it's hard to believe that if they if we can't mimic or even come up with um, a system to cut and move you know 1,000 3,000 ton constructions that seem to fit together like surgical I mean just precision and it's a seemingly cymatic polygonal wall it has to do with sound and energy and frequency which is what we're seeing in in all these other again we didn't touch too deeply on it but the reality is that this stuff uh combined with a foundational material that must include cymatic metamaterials so they could be again it could look like sand or dirt but it's unlikely that these foundations are 10 feet deep or 20 feet deep. They could be 40 feet deep. And what's great, I don't, you know, if, if we're cruising through on the documentary here, if you're, this is the, this, by the way, is one of the earliest paintings, earliest known images of uh, Stonehenge. Uh, what you see today at Stonehenge, by the way, was completely rebuilt. It's fiction. It, what was rebuilt at Stonehenge was entirely done by uh, interpretation. Um, but, what we need to do is consider that megalithic blocks were still not impossible to move. So one of the telling signs about reuse and repair and mimicking is you have a site like Stonehenge as a good example is, are those megalithic constructions remnants of advanced uh, constructions and buildings where the wood and the metal and everything else would have turned to dust and all that would be left would be these columns. And if you were a new society and you wanted to build a stone circle and maybe you could do that and it may have taken been a very impressive job and you were short pillars. So you also <laughs> found kind of where they were, you know, 
maybe mined or quarried out originally and maybe you mimicked the construction, but we don't have that in our vernacular and our narrative and our history and our stories right now. We have um, megalithic constructions that have been reoccupied by the Greeks and the Romans and the uh, various societies back to Babylon and Sumeria, where you have ziggurats that are built on pi, but the Great Pyramid's built on pi. And again, pi is an incredible, one of pi's primary, you do a lot with pi, mm-hmm. but it's an eigenvalue. It's, and and this is something, I write about this, but the reality is that if you're dealing with sounds and frequencies, there is uh, a great need for you to understand how infinite signals and energies are transferred. And pi is a really good calculator for that, especially when you're building a construction that's likely uh, set into what appears to be hard ground, which may be, you know, even a construction 30 years ago was supposed to have a 90% compacted foundation. So we are looking at what we think is solid rock, when in reality it could be a fully shaken, a society that's moving one thousand ton blocks, pre, uh, pre like you said, pre compacted. Hang yeah. on, oh yeah, dude, Jared, we got a caller calling here to talk to you, and I got I'm unmuted. Cool. Um, area code four six nine. Welcome to the Matrix Minds, my brainiac friend. Who is this? Hello, can you hear us? Hey, Matt, it's Celine. Hey, Celine, what's cracking, girl? <laughs> Nothing. I had to call you from a different number because my phone's all jacked up. <laughs> so what do you think about the show tonight? I just now was able to join in. So don't tell me you have no idea what we're talking about. Nope, I don't because I was just now able to get in. Oh, man. Okay, I say, no, no, please, no offense, but hang up. Watch, listen, because I'm going to just keep pounding at Jared here. <laughs> Seriously, so if you don't have any idea what's going on, I kind of need you to. All right. Okay. All right. Oh, All right. Well. I love you. Thank so good you. Called in. All right. Love you. <laughs> Bye. Um, All right. Well, that was nice, though. It was, dude, uh, I love her to death. I do. I love her to death. I, what f- funny is now I know that she sounds like really crystal clear. So with whatever number she called on, dude, her normal phone, it's 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 really I I like I said everybody loves loves it whenever we talk to Celine, but it's like whenever um it's like she gets like five words out and it's quiet, breaks up, least uh it sucks. But yeah, oh. the four six that's why I didn't recognize that number. But yeah, if you guys have got something to, to say or, or do you want to talk to Jared? Please, please, at least focus on, on what we're talking about now. Bring your questions. Well, and we burned it. You know, it's like you were curious. You know, we were talking about this, everybody, before the show started about, you know, how much and what we could talk about. But can you believe it? I mean, it's been what we already killed an hour and 40 minutes. It's an hour and 20. No, well, pushing it's an hour and 29 minutes. You oh, and good, I, good, good. You and I have talked so, about this for hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that we could talk about while we're on air, too, is to, you know, let everybody know that, you know, obviously, you know, it's up to you, of course, but we can certainly uh, expand this conversation and break it, you know, take one thing at a time and remind everybody that the overall picture is that we got history wrong. There's likely very advanced humans that live amongst us or around us or near us, and they may or may not help us, and they may or may not be horrible human 
beings that look like they're aliens. We, and we they're didn't. They did. Academiology has fed everybody. You, you ain't a lot. You ain't like any different than me. And we ain't any different than anybody else. We have been taught a certain way, Jared. And it has been that way. That has been the narrative. So it's people like yeah. you, myself, I mean, and, and you've got a good friend that is a female that does archaeology, right? Jen, yeah. I think's her name. Jen Dale, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's people like like us that do that. I do digital archaeology. I, I've done it with, with all of these guys. I've shared things with you. The things yeah. that we're bringing out literally shake the foundation of what we're been we've what we've all been told is the narrative. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. Here comes dear, here comes Mr. Murphy going. I think we should really look at the foundation of the 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 pyramid here. You know, the structure alone is as you said predates like 45 yeah. 4,500 years old, but yet the compacted soil could be possibly in 10 to 25. You give it 6 to 26. So let's just base the foundation of the pyramid 26,000 years. Well, Wow. Yeah, whatever the number is, the pyramid is a good example of a, 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 you have an ancient construction that's been remodeled many, many times, but it's pretty much impossible and you don't pull up the foundation. So one of the things that we could probably hold to be, here's the thing, like in South America, there's a lot of places where you have megalithic structures that have been harvested to build the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Olmecs, the Toltecs, the, the, the dynastic peoples that we think of as old because they're, you know, three, four, five, six thousand years old. Uh, but what you'll see is a large pyramid that's made out of like mud brick. And then there'll be one hundred ton megalithic block. And you can tell that they obviously repurposed something that was older and had been there longer or that the building was obliterated or they built or added on to an area where you have these larger megalithic, very precision uh, Tiwanaku, Pumapunku, Sacsayhuaman, you know, there's so many places where you have high technology, precision built constructions, but many times over the dynastic periods that we just talked about, Olmecs, Toltecs, mm-hmm. um, Mayans, Aztecs, they, and they themselves said, oh, the gods built this. But what's more important is that none of them dug up the foundation to move it. So you have very advanced megalithic constructions and you're like, okay, well, you know, the Aztecs built this and it's a fortress. Well, it's not a fortress. It's the top of what could be a four or five or six story building. And the foundation itself is part of the technology. It's not about just that they pre- could pre first off, they could pre compact it to a hundred pounds or a hundred percent. So it's basically a rock. On the other hand, what materials were they consistently using for those foundations? And then, so one of the things that my documentary touches on, and the, the, I'm actually working on a second documentary along with this release of the of the new version of my book in color with the updates and additions. But one of the things that we have to consider then is that you have the direct building, you have the direct foundation that may be many, many layers of complex materials. and. What happens, you know, when they right now they can already say, well, you know, at Baalbek, Lebanon, and all the way into Egypt, uh, the Aswan quarry uh, supplied things that were over a thousand miles away. 
what's going to be more mind-blowing when we start core sampling foundations of these megalithic structures and not just under them but five feet out 20 feet out 100 feet out an acre out and what happens when we start finding that there's a consistent like you ever see those really kind of some i always thought they were pretty when i was a kid but you know where you take the colored sand and you layer it into a, like a glass container mm-hmm. where you just you know you have oh yeah 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 well, now look at every single one of these megalithic structures and consider that the type of engineered soil might not just be a black terra preta earth for growing, uh, you know, a plant, but what if the seismic metamaterials that there's man-made um, energy frequency uh, crystals or structures along with different kinds of engineered soils or like at the Aswan quarry being credited with, Oh, this megalithic structure came from a thousand miles away. What if the foundation itself is made up of materials that were 2000 miles away or a thousand miles away? What if, what if the layers of the foundation represent the corresponding technologies of different wave and frequency and energy technology that not only work with the building itself, but connect to those sifted sand layers. Holy shit. That's the foundation of our advanced past. And it also connects like, like the grid, right? The grid around the planet. Um, Cheers. Cheers, Mr. I'm not, I'm again, this man is not suicidal. So, (laughs) Harry Code five eight five. What's up? Who is this? Welcome, welcome. To hey, what's up, brother? It's Todd. Todd, what's cracking, man? What do you think of Jared? That 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 dude is dead on. Yes, he's Every dead on. Let, let's not use one. the word dead. Let's just say Jared. Jared is is. Uh, how about how about how about he's right on? He's right <laughs> on the money, bro. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Remember. Remember, everything is frequency. Every is everything is electrical. Everything is vibration. Yeah, Tesla, Tesla, everything Tesla. Our consciousness can conceive is. Todd, he he, Jared. Uh, let me let me. You agree? I do. Hell yeah, we all we both agree. You ain't gonna. Me and Jared both agree on exactly what you said. Here's the thing. Now, in his in his documentary. You guys really didn't get to hear him go on and say that. I I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. Sorry, it, brother. It's okay. We didn't we didn't play it. I'm kind of like playing it here and there, here and there. But uh, yeah, don't watch it later. Yeah, watch I it later. What I'm saying though, Jared, is is you hear what he's saying, right? So what he's saying here is is the inevitable, and the, you cannot get around it. Because somewhere, I'm going to scroll through this video a little bit, Jared. I'm bringing it up right now a little bit. There's the, there's the Baalbeck. Yeah, there's Baalbeck. But there's Todd's, Todd's right, though. The Tesla, Tesla, the sound I, I'd frequency like to and the ether. the video so I can be an outsider. Right here. I know this a lot is, about it. This is where I want to kind of go. Because this, this is what you're talking about, Jared. Right here. Exactly. So we're doing it with modern construction right here. What you see is um, they're doing it by pre-compacting the ground for the foundation of a modern building, and they're doing it out for acres. In fact, they've even started doing experiments of plugging the earth and creating kind of like a Swiss cheese effect to see how they can affect a building. In fact, they've even proven in like Bologna, Italy, that those towers, those ancient tall towers – 
that if you combine them with things like sequoia or giant redwoods, which used to be the entire planet, that if you, there you go, there's the holes, but they're being done for compaction. And when you are prepping a site, if, if you could imagine one of the things that they figured out, and there's been recent studies on this, that stone spheres, cymatics, these are all frequency patterns. That's what's floating across the screen. Each one of those represents a tool. Consider it, not only is it a frequency pattern, it really is a tool that can lift, move, cut, uh, heal, burn away something or what have you. And the other thing about these patterns, and I, I want everyone to think about this, is that in cymatics, the study of frequencies, this is basically sand on a plate. And what they do is they put a frequency through it from underneath and it creates these patterns. But I want you to be aware, and I bet a lot of you are, but Dr. I'm just Amato. bringing it up, is that those frequency patterns are in the black spaces, not the white. So the pattern of the energy that's being created is actually the the dark and so it's really i know it's kind of like look oh sorry go ahead todd i did i'm so sorry i thought he cut you no no i don't mean to cut you off i don't mean for that todd you got i appreciate you calling in it's all about whatever you want to talk about do you got questions for jared as to what he said what he shared with you i'm just popping in on yours like it was it was dr emoto that was talking about that all the sound frequencies the resonance frequency of sound. Yes. Back, yeah. Man, yeah. Now, but you, you know, I mean, we're on the same page. I just, I just figured people would want to hear who. No, no, but it, you know, one of the great things about you calling in and just what you're saying personally is that I do think that our collective consciousness on this, that literally everyone listening now and, and everyone listening to you individually, like when you're out with your friends or when we're on with, with just other everyone else listening that they're going to relate to the same frequency as us yeah and and it's something that it's part of that collective consciousness where it's part of that download it's part of that uh when you're ruminating on something and you might not be into this but i do think there's a solid momentum that is being created back into consciousness and not just in a dream state but it's it's totally relevant for us to have these conversations uh collectively and it's not just for agreement or... absolutely i don't i don't want to cut you off but do you remember i think it was what was it in england they did the thing about love when they all prayed or did something about love and it changed like everything around them do you remember what i'm talking about yeah the uh, i when do know about like the power of eight the there's of love, there there's a lot like of UK things maybe uk <laughs> I mean, there's all they did was thought about love and like not prayer, but like they just in their heart, the heart, almost like the Heart Math Institute, only totally different. Yeah, there's been uh, even quantum experiments. Even 30 years they ago, they were studying. Um, there were quarks that were responding when people were watching the World Cup. Uh, they they were watching relational. That too. I heard about that also. Yeah, it, it it's super. This stuff is just not random, right? <clears throat> One second, area code two seven zero. I see you. Hang on. They're they're training us that we we have no effect on anything when really we have effect on everything. Yeah, and absolutely. Right. Us down, and that's the whole point of social media. 
but yeah. it put us in the wrong state of mind. Yeah, I, mean, I can just... control everything at that point. So the wrong state of mind creates that. I mean, what do you think the six foot rule is about? <laughs> but I mean, that's your that's social bubble. That's your that's your right? your that is the that you know, that is the the what they call the Merkaba. Uh, uh, oh my God. It is the uh, it is the your your Merkaba your your soul your heart the heart frequency resonates within that area, and anything beyond it, yeah, yeah. you can absolutely. Todd, buddy, I'm gonna have to move on. I, dude, I've got three other callers for Jared, bro. All right. But I do gotta say one thing. Okay. They found out that there's more going on with the heart than there is with the brain. That's all I gotta Damn. say. Damn. I believe that. All right. All right. Good night, Todd. Thanks, Love buddy. You Thank you. Appreciate See you. See ya. All right, Jared. Got to take this entity code here right there. I think it's, did I say 270? Was that right? I think you said something like that, yeah. All right. Entity code 270. Welcome to the Matrix. My friend, who is this? Brainiac. Say hello to Jared Murphy. This is... Hey, hello. It's Angela. Hi, Angela. Okay, so this is where I need to jump in and tell you guys again about the time I disappeared off the pyramid in Guatemala. Angela's Angela stats. You know, <laughs> I mean, this would be a great person to ask what he thinks happened here. So I was with a tour group, so there's like 50 of us, and we were at a pyramid that had not been completely excavated. So we had to actually climb up rope ladders and things through the trees to get to the top of this pyramid. Once we got up there, everybody was, you know, in the front of the temple area, like the front of the pyramid, the little box on top, and they were messing with those little animals in the trees and stuff like that. Well, I immediately went around the back of the little temple box and sat kind of on a bump-out stone that was back there, and I was sitting there just looking, uh, you know, across the top of the jungle. It's like all sky and all green for miles. It was just amazing. And as I was sitting there, and it didn't take long, like just within a few seconds, a vibration hit and there was an audible like kind of sound like at the beginning of like the you know when they're showing off the dolby stereo in a movie theater and they do that big loud noise it was like that and the vibration and then my vision changed and i was still sitting in the same spot still looking at the sky and the top of the jungle except everything changed visually everything had um, sort of a, a heartbeat and a blood flow and it was all like the most unbelievable colors and it was just pulsing through everything and the sky had a heartbeat and it was just incredible because there were so many birds and they were all colors and when the birds would fly up into the sky it was like they would pull the energy from the trees up into the sky and when they went back into the trees they would pull the energy of the sky down into the trees and it was like they were physically stitching the energy of the jungle to the energy of the sky as they went in and out and all this crazy shit was going on and <laughs> all this crazy it was just the most unbelievable thing that's <laughs> so how, how long so i love it <laughs> i love you Ange. how long did that how long did that last i had to have been there i mean However long the tour was supposed to stay on that pyramid. So I'm going to say the minimum 30 minutes. 
because we had to get all 50 people back down those rope ladders through the trees to get back on the bus, okay? So minimum, I'm going to say it was over 30 minutes, but I'm going to say, you know, at least. The thing is, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, it's been a while and I haven't seen anybody, so maybe I should go back around and, you know, join the group again. And so when I decided that's what I was going to do, the, you know, I started to move and get ready to stand up and walk around and the, the visual kind of turned down, you know, the, the quality of the sight and the hearing and everything that I was experiencing kind of just turned down and went back to normal. And when I walked around the temple, there was nobody there. I was completely alone on the pyramid. And I had, a, you know, that panic moment because I thought, my God, they've left me. I mean, who knows how long I sat there. And then as I walked around the front of the temple and I just, you know, boom, the reality hit me that they've, God, they've left me and I'm, God knows how long, how far out in the middle of the jungle I am by myself. See, one of the tour guides came around the other side of the temple and he just, of the color drained. I mean, he just, he looked at me like, where, where did you come from? You know, and <laughs> he just walked around the temple and he did not see me and I did not see him. We had to have passed each other on the back side of that temple because I came out one way and he'd come out the other. And anyway, so we, I got down to the temple. We got on the bus. Everybody was so mad because gosh knows how long they had been looking for me. They did the head count. Somebody was missing. He went back up to check. They thought I fell off. Where did this chick go? <laughs> she just vanished. It was completely bizarre. So I tried to explain. I was just sitting right there the whole time. I never saw one single person come around that temple room, and nobody saw me. Almost every single person on that bus, of course, had walked all the way around at one point or another. So your 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 question for Jared is what what do you think what do you think's happened to you? Yeah, so talking about energies and frequencies and things like that, okay, what happened? What did, I did you, what, did you, what was it? Well, I have a few more questions. Did you, what kind of colors did you see? It's, it's colors you cannot explain, but I'm going to go with like um, hyper neon, um, just the most incredible, vibrant rainbow everything, just all How? at once and individual and it depends on where you looked. Well, so were the colors moving with the birds, with the trees, yes. with the, were they moving like waves? Were they moving differently depending on if they were the birds or the trees? So I'm, I'm sadly, I know this is going to be difficult, but I'm asking you to describe the way the colors looked, but also how they moved. Sure. Every individual thing had its own pulse. Okay. And- Sort of flow. It was like blood flow. It's like you were looking at the veins on the outside of something, and the energy was pulsing through these veins on the outside of everything. And it was so the trees. The, the tree would have a pattern, but if you looked at one leaf on the tree, that one leaf would have its own pattern. So everything. So when you were um. Like patterns within patterns, I guess. Have you ever seen anything like that before? Twice. One other time when I had my ultimate out-of-body experience, and one other time when somebody gave me a funky brownie and didn't tell me. <laughs> but it's not, I love her. That, there was that truth. That, yeah. So, what, so one of the things that we haven't had a chance to talk about, and um, what I think this relates to is genetic memory. And what I mean by that is 
I think that we all have not only been each other's backups and storage. So back to that little whole hyperbolic chamber, restoring catastrophic failure for indefinite lifespans. I think that there is a possibility that through genetic memory, we haven't, we figured out from Harvard in 2008 that they could jam a 50,000 word book on a little bit of uh, DNA. And then now we're up to over a, uh, basically uh on a gram of DNA, they're up over a terabyte now on a gram. And so essentially mm-hmm. you could store all of human knowledge in two elephants and they would still be elephants and doing elephant stuff, but they could pretty much store everything, including the computer and motherboard stuff on screen. But synesthesia is that we were talking about. What I wondered about is I think that different people have different, ex- this is why I think it's, this is an everyone's game. I might say that I'm out doing the research, but this experience you had isn't isolated. So what's interesting to me about it is that I think it relates to genetic memory, not as as in you were remembering something that happened to someone in the past, but weird synesthesia things where you can see colors represent numbers or numbers or colors or smells where you have all five of your senses mixed, but it's 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 not because it's confused it's because it's um i think seeing the layers of what would have been day-to-day technolo- technological things right but in this case uh your ability to like flip over and see look yeah could it have been a brownie it well like you said it wasn't a brownie this time right right <laughs> but i do think that it's fascinating I, I have never ever in my life done anything except that brownie so oh that's then it goes and gives you like second sight good hey, for you hey Angela, and one you got like one more question i'm going to move to another area code oh, seven seven oh four or actually jared do you got any more questions for Ange? and well, i it, think i think unpacking this it's i'd be curious it would be really fun if you could send in you know, if you wanted to send the show uh, some of the photos, did you take any photos while you're up there? No. Shoot. No, I, I was literally invisible to the other people, and they were invisible to me. So I went. No, I and not about yes. Not a, right. Not about your experience, but not. I didn't think you would have done that in that state. Uh, did you get a sensation though that anyone else was watching you or looking at you in that state? No. All right. So no, there, was, look, there's a lot of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just amazed that nobody out of all those people had walked around the corner of the temple like I did. I couldn't believe nobody did. I was like, "That's really weird. Maybe I should get back." Did I think there's a lot of layers to this? And as far as connecting into, so we don't know a lot about Terra Preta, right? So you're in a, you were in an area that's filled with ancient engineered soils on a megalithic structure that was repurposed or possibly, okay, so you could have been on a dynastic period pyramid, which was made strictly by, you know, the last two to four or 6,000 years by people who, you know, you know, not advanced. They just, you know, they repurposed some things or they mimicked some of the other stuff. And this, you know, it could have been a combo of rebuilt of, um, older technologies or what have you so you're standing on something that's definitely plugged into what and mind you it's covered in like you said earth and material that is um accumulated over the last few thousand years but it's not it ancient or not 
you're also, I think, that's why I think people are drawn to these shows on our ancient history and whether or not you're actually going or not or just researching from a computer. I think we all have these gut um, connections and they end up expressing themselves in different ways. And I think you on this trip, I don't know how many times you've been down there or not or how many places you had been on that trip and the combination of the immediate um, you know, magnetic fields or the the collective consciousness that was in your immediate surrounding. <clears throat> but the reality is that I think this is an important uh, question because you were tapping into something, whether it was internal or whether it was part of the collective consciousness and it was downloading in quotes to you and communicating, here's what else you could see of this environment. And it's not because you're high and it's not because you're, you know, just making stuff up. It's here's, oh, you're here at this point. Uh, collective download because of where you are at with your positive gene expression with where you are. It doesn't matter, diet, energy, whatever. But you are connected at that moment into a system that says, oh, you're here right now. And these are the things that you should see at this, not reveal because it's a revelation, but because you're in that position physically and mentally and at that point wherever it was in that trip. Well, oh yeah, well, here's the on, like it's like somebody hit an on switch in a, in a room. I don't know how else to like really put it other than what you were seeing around you was either current and a layer of what's always around us. Like you're, you're seeing what a Karelian photographer would be able to photograph, but you're seeing it in real time. And were you able to do that because yeah. your genetic history, your background and what you're conscious to just on a day-to-day basis allowed you to co- connect to that collective system. And that was just an easy revelation for you to see there. I think there's a lot of layers to what we have mistaken. And this is a good example of, is this something that what would normally just write off as spiritual or paranormal but is this another example of that awakening of what was once not possible with less humans on the planet, with less collective RAM, with less connection, with, uh, in quotes, awakening? And did you just get a blink, what seemed like a half hour of uh, connecting to another layer of the dimensions that we would be privy to or see if and, and experience? And so... I don't know. There's a lot of questions I would have for you to go further because it sounds like you've had other experiences similar. And it's like, as a researcher, I want to ask you about a hundred more questions. Now now I'm in trouble. I'm going to put her, it's okay. I'm going to put her in touch with you because here's the thing, Jared, Angela is very unique and special to me and to the, to the show because Angela is a contact E. Okay. So this this is going to be really unique. I'm going to put I'm going to Jared if you if you're okay with that, I'm going to put you two in contact with one another. Yeah, great. Okay, is that right? Yeah, sure. Sounds great. Um, I know you, there's other people sure. waiting to call, but yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I really appreciate you calling in. Thanks, I appreciate it. I just want to one more thing. I just makes me wonder, you know, like the stone doors, the stone doorways. It makes me wonder if that had happened in front of one of those stone doorways, if I would have been able to walk through. Wow. That's what it makes me think. Or if, if I had been inside the temple, I might not have come back. Holy smokes. Or perhaps sh- I might have been somewhere else entirely. Who knows? 
Uh, yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Love All right, you. love you, Ange. Thank you for calling. Appreciate you. All right, Mr. Jarrett, let's uh, let's go to area code seven zero four. Welcome to the show, Brainiac. Who is this? Hello. How you been, Matt? I've been all right, my friend. Now, this kid right here, brother, let me tell you what. He's 26, right? 26 years old. And he is, he is absolutely sharp as a tack, my friend. Jared, do drop. Do drop, Mr. Jared Murphy. What do you got? What do you got for Jared, bro? Oh, <laughs> well, Mr. Jared Murphy, that's kind of cool to uh, be able to talk to you. I'm, I'm actually ready to live with your work. Uh, you know, I, 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 do, I do would like to say I do appreciate it from more of a, uh, I, I'm going to say a, a scientific aspect at first, as long as well as the philosophical and spiritual nature, you know, you kind of sum it up in one. I do, I do like that. And, you know, like, but see, that from my perspective, from like where I, where, what, 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 what I would like to, where I, where I find my heart is, is exposing truth that's kind of been out there for a while like like we all like to do except for more of a, a, a secret agenda side you know I, I i do believe we don't we don't say specific specific things no more but y'all you, you get to grasp that you know and, and everything y'all talk about especially when it comes down to like frequencies vibration attraction love feelings like emotions you know it, it, it from you know it, it all ties in with some more of it, uh, the enlightened you know pages of the oem and which just speaks about like this what all religions or speak about and that is at some point in time the human not human, the consciousness of the being must ascend to its next level to be able to reach the next to be able to maintain its hold and anchor in the next frequency. You know, and so I'd like to you know, I'd like to add, you know, there's they 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 hide these things from us for I don't. I don't think they hide them from us for like in means of you know you can't have this information you know because for for one to truly become enlightened you must throw into doubt all that it knows it must cast aside all information it believes is the truth and and step aside and regain its own self's perspective before allowing another one's will to be implemented you know just like how we are in schools here in America. Yeah, that's just, uh, it's just so, I don't really understand why people talk about it like it's some big secret, you know, like, like to me it's not really a secret, it's, it's more or less just a moment that I think at some point in time, a consciousness, a conscious being must, must, must it must question itself, you know, because if you don't question yourself, you, you, you live a life in circles. Wow. You, know, you, 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 don't, you don't question your, your if you don't question your actions, and in uh, uh, each actions you, you continue to procreate each day. You know, casting out the same vibration, the same you know free will. You know, you're just casting out that same vibe. You know, then you'll you'll live a life of a circle. And I'm sure we all know we you don't want to live a life of a circle. <laughs> to live a progressive life, life of light, you must live the life of the spiral. No, so you must constantly. Sorry, it's, 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 it's actually really, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to have you as a guest tonight. Yeah, thank you do for you, calling in too. Do you got any questions for Jared? Any main questions there, Dudra? 
spiritual, spiritual aspect. What's, what's place that everywhere you went affected you the most, and like in your being? What well, you never forget. Oh, um, you know, there's places where you can start describing it, but the sensations aren't really describable unless you've been there and can explain it to people. So one place of course is the grand Canyon. Um, it's not about being impressed with the scale. It's about, uh, you know, I was there with Rex from leak project. We were there looking for the G Kincaid cave and I, he and I, with our uh, friend who's Navajo, we were on Navajo land. You know, we were, we were there where the G Kincaid cave was supposed to be, but, uh, the sensation of being there is not a describable one. It's, you know, depending on where you are, um, again, it's where your gene expression is. So again, it comes down to a combination of, you know, not just your beliefs, but your, uh, you know, where you eat. When you talk scientifically speaking, your gene expression in a very paleo way, it's garbage in, garbage out. But what you're eating, how you're exercising, how you're actually breathing, that is a... Uh, um, a, an effector at the smallest level of your DNA coding that uh, will affect how you attach and experience life on a daily basis. So I'm saying that being at the canyon and where we were and what we were um, doing uh, left, you know, it's it's not just speechless because, you know, you're 4,000 feet off the floor and it looks really cool. It's, it's definitely it plugs you in to that collectiveness, whether consciously or not, there's a sensation, there's a feeling. And then you look at, um, you know, when I was in South Africa, there was a stone circle specifically. There was one that we all went to. And there's one in particular that, you know, they said, Hey, you know, everybody walk around the stone circle. Let us know how you feel about being at this stone circle. And there, there was definitely um, in this particular case, it was, not my normal digging around, taking a look at everything. It was a, uh, uh, this time it was with a group that had been invited to go kind of on a more touristy thing. And, but what was great was being there and catching other people's reactions to the spaces. And there was this one stone circle. And, and again, they, they predate really uh, way beyond colonial times and way beyond, you know, way yes, the uh, South Africa is known for gold mines that were used even by the Sumerians and the Egyptians and the Romans. But these stone circles are quite mysterious. I mean, there's tens of thousands of square kilometers of a society that's left foundations that nobody knows and why they're there. Anyway, so here we are, land of engineered soils, and in the savannas, six thousand feet, give or take, above sea level, and I'm standing in a stone circle. And specifically, there's a point that it feels like you just cross something. Uh, you don't know what it is. It's not a positive or evil or negative or anything. It's just you don't feel the same standing inside the stone circle. And that was uh, quite an interesting thing. So part of your question is like, what's the <clears throat> most? And I guess part of my answer is there are places around the earth, whether it's the Grand Canyon or whether it was this specific stone circle at this moment, or um, I had the same sensation in Paris once, but it's a combo of there. It was more of a meditation and, and a, 
and not even a point of reflection. It was just more of a state of being. And I'm, I'm more of a science logic guy too, but I practice Wim Hof and I can tell you the state that I get in through that breathing technique and even without the cold showers, I can tell you that I feel like I plug into a system. You don't have to talk your way into it. You don't have to meditate your way into it. When you do the Wim Hof technique, well, you the focus could, on the breath is, 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 is definitely to, to to bring oneself back to the moment. I do try to uh, every day. It, it, it's, it's very hard. It's like I say I'm new. It. Uh, the, the, I'd say breathing techniques. And and to and to know and to and techniques to train the brain to to you know to to continuously uh, find yourself when you're not doing the breathe this breathe like focusing on your breath you know like it's kind of train the mind you know I I, I try to reach try to uh, I do believe it's all it's quite uh, almost unattainable but uh, uh the, the point of samadhi because uh, I I, I, I <laughs> you cut I, it. You I cut him off, Dewdrop. What I said, oh, like, Dewdrop. You yeah. You cut him off while he was trying to explain to you about that. Oh, that's all right. It's um. No, 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 no. It's it's uh. This is a really big topic, and it's a really big. Um, I'm just hearing we have a lot of agreement on a lot of it. It's just exploring this for us individually and collectively is um pretty exciting and it's a really weird time because i feel like you know you don't know me i don't know you but at the same time there's this constant connection growing between these different disciplines where it's not so much about the original esoteric meaning but these technologies really or these systems are rearing themselves up in a way that we're all connecting and we're catching the connections no matter what our personal experience is, I think. Do drop. Do you got any more questions for Jared? Cause I'm going to like, we're going to try to wrap it up here. I've got, I've got, I've got him here. He's a busy dude. He gets away at the crack of like chickens rear end. I mean, man, this poor dude up, up. up. No, I'm cool. I stay up late. Sometimes, yeah, I know, and and then you're like, you know, half dead during the day. Yeah. Anything else uh, there, Jer- uh, Dewdrop? I'm losing you, bro. Are you there? Yeah, we can hear you now. Go ahead. Have a great night. I'm listening in. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Jared, I'm gonna tell you, we're, I don't know where we go from here as far as far as topic wise. I mean, I want to, I want to have you back. I want to, want to have you back. Um, when are you? When are you going to? When is the book? When is this book below me? When is it coming out? So this, this is our big re-release in color, and we are tracking for. Um, we'll probably start taking pre-orders in the next 10 days, but we're looking at April. What is it now? What is it? Where are we in March? So <laughs> it is March the 12th. <laughs> yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? This man does not sleep. Hell, he don't even know what day it is. I'm so, yeah, um, it, it is. It's, it's March Friday. 12th, bro. It's Friday, March 12th. Um, but I do think that, um, uh, we're looking to the, uh, middle end of April for the for the new release awesome and it will be available it'll be available on amazon and at the same time on my website at notaliens.com and then 
you know, for those that want to check out that uh, documentary, and I again, I do post links and or embed a lot of interviews on Not Aliens on YouTube. But to your point, I have a member area on Not Aliens, and that is available. Please, you know, <laughs> if you want to support the channel that way, go sign up there. And I try to work it out to about a cup of coffee a month. But uh, there, there is a way to support a lot of exclusive photos and interviews behind the firewall. And then uh, there's constantly, you know, there's there's always updates. And then, like you said, there's uh, planning. There's our actual archaeological work or uh, exploration being planned that we're going to go do. And, of course, future documentaries. And, and I'm hoping that all of this can continue to ramp up and the trajectory it's on. It'll um, get busier and busier for for entertainment purposes. But like you said, to, to go, I think wherever you want to mull this over, wherever the fans and the fans of your show that, you know, whatever the follow-ups are, I think we just take it from there and, you know, just put some more time into it and see if we can't. Uh, I think it's great because your audience actually, you know, they make a point to call in and uh, we can, you know, we can unpack, so we take some time with them and, but also get to maybe, I mean, we scratched the surface on, we didn't even really get in the, I always think it's fun to talk about some of the mechanics of these technologies, but you know, it's crazy what you can't get to in two and a half hours. It's, well, here, here's the thing. These guys, I'm telling you, they, a lot of them might, this show has been around for about 12 years now. And a lot of them have, have carried on and followed me over, you followed us over. It don't matter if, if we get blown off of the internet, we have been completely scrubbed twice okay facebook has removed our, our page seventh seven, going go, they're working on the seventh time i mean i've created page number eight just because they're working on whittling down the numbers at page number seven so everybody knows that, that it doesn't matter they know they know that we're going to be here one way or another i'm not going to just go away i mean i've made an endowed to face the wood chipper to tell them the absolute truth jared you're, I mean you're not you're not suicidal no i mean no i am not by no means i mean i'm not gonna go to the quarry with you and rex and just like hey guys look at me no hands no hands and just like no no, yeah. no. did you see rex do that no bad no. idea <laughs> but here's was, the thing shout out to you, you rex we love you dude rex i love Le- i duh, dude i love rex from elite project I, I i love his show i love what you're i love your work too jared and it's great to have you here with me and again the friendship connection like i told you dude i you know what i didn't mean to bark at you whenever you called me you called me at eight but that'll let you know i i feel comfortable enough to say with you fuck it well you know uh, let's start the show now fuck it that's where i'm at with you as a friend i i i, I connect with you i believe that you me and there's a whole bunch of others that can rattle the cages of academiology to literally change history. Yeah, I think we're on. I think we're on track for it. I think it's going to happen, and uh, the momentum. I mean, honestly, you know, you've been at it in a time frame where it's part of the. You really, you really are. I think you, you know, you've been asking the questions and doing the stuff that uh, is laying the groundwork for this new research that I really think is. Um, again, the voices saying it out loud and the work that's being done to just put it in a spotlight is, I think, well, not only needed and required and refreshing, but it's 
it's really been the last, you know, last 30 years that has made this new difference in our paradigm shifting. It's hard for us to even grasp that our history is not what it is, that, that there's one that we could have been more advanced and more likely that some of them survived. That's not something that people are comfortable with. It's, oh, well, you know, maybe we were more advanced, but we're, we're the only ones left and we're as advanced as we ever were. But it's like, there's a lot of things that we need to be open to and whether or not some of those survivors do work with governments or whether they are, you know, Rick and Morty style showing up in their battery saying they're aliens when they're really just Rick and Morty working on their car battery. Right. For those of you who don't know the reference, they'll work it out. Damn. Jared, here's the thing. This is where I'm going with you. I know I I know I personally I got dude, we you and I didn't even get into the the Keystone cuts. Didn't even no. didn't even get into that. Okay. And there you asked me because I'm a, I'm a digital archaeologist. I, I I I am. And these guys have I've been been with these guys here and they've watched me go from place to place to place to place. And I'm always, always, always brought back to my home turf, and that would be Egypt. There is so much technology, both yeah. ancient as well as what we see, like the little picture below you, them them columns, right? Them columns and them, yeah. them stones up on top. Like I pointed out to them, and you're a builder. You look at you look at things like like I look at them through my eyes. Them the tops of them stones that are on are on top of them columns. Sorry to say it, but that's new. That is new. Yeah. The columns themselves. Look, here's the thing, Jared. Let's just go back to this for a second. This area shows significant destruction damage. What we're looking at, even in that little teeny picture, okay, is rebuild. Yeah, it's total architectural salvage. So I want myself and you, I, I, I got to have you back for a Keystone Cut architectural savage so salvage we we got to do this again so so yeah consider a love d- to. discussion to with me and just, just me and you and then no and then and hang on there's more <laughs> i want myself you and also laura laura eisenhower sure okay? we're going to do a round table discussion because they have done a number on that girl's show Okay, they have completely tried to deplatform her, also yeah. as well as me. They've tried to shut her up as well as me. You really, ha- you know, you haven't really shared with me that they've tried to shut you up yet. But I assure you, when you start coming out there on bigger shows like Coast Coast, The Matrix Minds, Jimmy Church, we're we're you know getting with Laura. I'm telling you, bro, you're not. I know you're not suicidal. I know it, and. We look forward to digging together. I'm Tim. I do. I look forward to going with you. Yeah. No, that's happening. And then there's um, there's definitely there's a lot more for us to talk about. And I really do appreciate you having us having me on. You're more than welcome, man. I and I I I will get a copy of that book. I will pre-order it. I will. I mean, yeah. I, it, it, oh yeah. I will Amazon it to your house. You will sign it. I want it. I uh, oh yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. man. I can, yeah. So that'll, uh, and again, I'll get that notifications and the updates out on my website. 
Uh, everybody should look for that. You know, two weeks at the worst for those of you listening, but uh, maybe 10, 14 days and we'll have the pre-orders on. Awesome. Mr. Jared Murphy, nobody, come, even my guests, come to this show without saying something positive. I know this may sound like, you know, Nah, but look, nobody comes to Matrix Minds without saying something positive to all of the listeners around the globe. I'm talking about humanity, brother. Say something positive to all of the world on your way out, and then I'll let you go. Just remember that we are collective consciousness and that it is something that is out there to all of our benefit. And I do think that we're all a part of it. So no matter what, if you're out there and you're alone or you're thinking that you're not connected to something, you might um, just take a minute to consider that it's actually a collective that you actually are there to support others that may be getting help from you just by you being part of it, just connected. Sounded amazing. All right, Mr. Jared Murphy, once again, man, I appreciate you for being with me. Going to have you back. Everybody's going. Here's the funny part. Everybody's usually going. Um, all right, well, good night, good night. But here's the thing. Everybody's, like, wanting more. <laughs> They're yeah. wanting us to go more, but it's okay. I'll have you back. Again, appreciate you. NotAliens.com. Mr. Jared Murphy, thanks again, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. All right, good night. Alrighty, guys, Mr. Jared Murphy with NotAliens.com. You guys, again, can check out his book, my friends. And, uh, yeah, it was an absolutely amazing night, amazing night. Without a doubt, we were on fire with Jared. Jared was on fire, no doubt. So where do we go from here? What do we do? What do we say? How do we, uh, I don't know. You heard it. Below our known history are the foundations of an advanced past. My friends, this is an absolute truth. It is an absolute truth. Without a doubt, my friends, Matthew Turner here with the Matrix Minds. I got the soapbox. You guys are the brains that break the system from the outside in and from the inside out, ABCs. We love you all, both every single man, woman, and child, men and women in uniform. Shout out to you guys. We appreciate you for being with us on this Friday night with Mr. Jared Murphy. It's not aliens. It's us. That's right. We'll catch you guys here on Monday. Same time, same bat channel. Brainiacs, you guys be careful and enjoy your weekend. Good night. We're in the Matrix. We're in the Matrix. We're in the Matrix. Yep. Let's do this. Board. You make its minds one of the most controversial conspiratorial shows on the web. The Matrix Minds. And that's right. Buckle up, everybody. Let's go. Paranormal, huh? Conspiracy, huh? Ufology, hidden Egyptology. And anything and everything we can get our hands on. Let's go.
Stay in Wonderland. 